Yeah. Oh. I said, all my niggas in here gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> Welcome to All My Niggas Said, y'all. Um, we We are back and we are Black. And more than Black, we are nigga. And more than nigga, we are niggas with a podcast. Okay. Wow. Iconic. It's pre-Juneteenth. Hallelujah. Period. Period. It's it's Father's Day for all you daddies out there. What a moment. Shout out to all my people who don't have no daddies in their life. You know what I'm saying? Who struggle with this holiday. Um, to all the people who have amazing step parents, you know, shout out to, shout out to the father that stepped up. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Um, but yeah, also just to my babies out there who are struggling, um, on this evening because you don't have a dad, whether that you lost your father or father has never been present in your life. You know, I hope you celebrate yourself for the ways you've had to father yourself. Hallelujah. Mm. Um, for just enduring all the father's day um because sometimes these days be hard as fuck um and some of us are father beyond just our direct father some of us have been fathered by our grandfather so if you lost your grandfather or any paternal figure in your life just sending you love care and affection and affirmation baby celebrate the people who you can on today um and for those who you know are missing or you feel is like leaving a void you can honor that too um, you could be angry on today. You could be sad on today. Hallelujah. Amen. And I just wanted, when I said happy Father's Day to all the daddies, I want to be clear about who I was talking about. Yeah. I was right. talking about the, okay, to be clear, I, w- I was celebrating the daddies who are being the daddies and in the pleasure sense, um, in the kink sense, um, in the fuck around and find out sense. Mm-hmm. So seeing me thank mm-hmm. you shout, shout out to all the, the fem daddies out there the fem daddy the ones who be strapping up with the eyeshadow on point baby the one who be slanging that motherfucking thing okay with a face beat for the gods hallelujah wow. give you a face beat and a coochie beat all at the same time god My is god. and multifaceted holly which is to say that i am god and you are god and we are god made in god's image hallelujah um, Welcome, do you, y'all. Do you have a testimony on your heart, spirit, or a song? Um, I have a lot of things on my heart and a song and a whole bunch of shit. Um, first of all, I want to celebrate this beat that you got. Um, first and foremost, um, my beat and hair is brought to y'all by a nigga is learning how to swim. Okay. Um, so my praise report is... <laughs> I was about to lie. I slid into the nine feet. I didn't jump. Okay. And I didn't enthusiastically uh, hop off the edge, but I did slide in very slowly um, and treaded water in that motherfucking nine feet. And I bless God because what, who knew, who knew child. Um, And in the spirit of, I think, what we're talking about today, and uh, I, so I visited my home church last Sunday, and mm-hmm. 
I think, I think the choir was singing the song. I don't know. I, I think it was the choir who was singing the song, but um, a line from it struck me. So I'm just saying, okay, so it's blessed by, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, which is a psalm, I think. Um, and that all that is within me, I was like, wait a minute. Right. So y'all been telling niggas like, oh no, you can't bring your queer self to, to, to be in the presence of God. You can't bring your fat self to be in the presence of God. Your trans self, your neurodivergent self is unholy. It's not sacred. You can't, you can only bring whatever the whitest, thinnest, straightest version is of you. And I was like, but the Psalm says right there and all that is within me. (laughs) So anyway, I want to offer that. Um, I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. And Lord can be, fill that in, fill it in however the fuck y'all want to fill that in, because right. period. And we praise God. How about you? Um, I did have a song. Okay, I was, I was in between two. I think I must sing the old Negro spiritual one. Yeah. Because I, I kind of forgot the lyrics to the other one that I was going to sing. So we're just going to leave that where it was. Hallelujah. Um, but if you've ever seen this movie called Mississippi Burning, this song touched me when I first saw it, and I always sing it at the church. And it's mm-hmm. on Monday, walk on, and on Tuesday, walk on, let Jesus be. Let him be your God. He's able, always able to carry a load, and he can see up the road. So walk on each day. that song just always does it for me okay because it's just like keep trying baby just just Mm. keep walking on and it's also making me think about the ways in which we have been told to like make God an outward thing you know that God is not within you and not within your friends and so you must seek outside of yourself for God but in thinking about that he can see up the road I I think about if we honored that our friends were God and the and the positivity Mm -hmm. that our friends speak over our life as prophecy and not just as like oh my friends love me and they just don't want me to be sad but like no bitch you have the capacity to change this world and if you just believe in your dreams Mm -hmm. you're gonna be somebody people are never gonna forget right and so like we don't have to seek out of ourselves for God don't have to see or prophecy, right? The positive things your friends speak into you was them seeing up the road. 
right? We can all have visions. That doesn't mean they all come to pass, like Raven Simone. Raven Simone would have a vision, and it wasn't the whole thing, baby, but it was a vision. Hallelujah. And so I just think about that because my friends see and think great things for me. They can see things in me times I can't see, or I refuse to see, or I just don't have capacity in that moment to see. So just like continuing to try despite it all is just such an important thing for me. Um, and also honoring the God that's within my friends. I mean, one thing that I used to tell people, I don't really say it that much anymore because people abuse it, but I used to tell people like, I see God in you. You know, I, I fuck with you because I see the God in you. Um, and so, yeah, just just that song, I watched Mississippi Burning with my brother a couple of weeks ago and I was reminded of how much I love that fucking song. So yeah, mm. period. Period. Which kind of is a really good segue into the conversation that we're having about censoring ourselves. Um, yeah, do you want to start off or give some thoughts and feelings on or whatever? Yeah, um, so as you may or may not know, hello, welcome. This is the very first episode, though we've been doing this shit for three years. This is the first um, episode of the podcast that is all my niggas said. Um, and in, I, I just, I want to shout out Cicely. I feel like I'm always shouting out Cicely here, but <laughs> Cicely dropped this delicious gem a year or so ago on me. So simple, but begin as you intend to go on um and that like when I think about who because I'm a person for which like if I can do everything on my own to try to get some shit started and I can I'll be like okay I'll just you know work 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 tirelessly and get everybody on board and then we'll be able to all be on one accord but that's that is not how life works. However you start <laughs> is how it's going to go on. And it's very hard to backstep after you set a, set a pattern. So I, um, yeah, I think for me, us starting with talking about centering our fat, black, queer, trans, hoe, neurodivergent, disabled selves um, felt deeply important as as a way to to be clear about the path forward that we are taking with this niggery ass church experience that we are curating together that we have been cultivating for the last three years um so yeah for me centering myself is going to be a lifelong journey um in a world that is fat phobic is queer and transphobic um is ableist um yeah, and it's and it's such worthy and sacred and holy work for me to do so and invite my niggas into that work as well. How about you, boo? I love that you write it to sacredness because one thing that comes up to me when I think about centering ourselves is I have a negative connotation towards that. And that's directly linked to my social conditioning as a fat, black, brown skin, dark skin human being. Um because I lived most of my life trying to avoid censoring myself because I thought that that was inherently a bad thing. I thought that thinking about me and, and not just thinking about me, but censoring my needs was, was bad. 
And that came from me seeing people growing up make, you know, negatively selfish decisions. And I'm using the adjective negatively because I've come to determine that being about yourself and centering yourself is not inherently bad. So I'm using the adjective negatively. People be negatively so I thought, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to represent that. And I I I want to think about community. I want to, but the thing is not everybody has that same viewpoint. And so this is how we get into what Joy James talks about in the captive maternal. Um, and so then you you make all these decisions to think about community or to think about people around you, but they're not thinking about you. They're not centering you. Um, and so whether intentionally or unintentionally, people make decisions that hurt you. And they're not skilled at caring for yourself. So you also have hurt yourself, right? And so when I'm thinking about the sacredness of centering myself, I think about really doing away with white supremacist ideologies around myself, my, my humanity. It is okay for me to center myself. It's okay for me to make a decision that's going to... Um, hurt somebody else's feelings because they want for me to do something else. That if I believe in what the universe sent me here to do, that actually I'm not here to appease everyone. In fact, if I'm really here to do the work of my ancestors, to do the work that I have been called to do, revolutionary work, I'm going to enrage people, okay? And I have to learn to be okay with that. Does it mean that it doesn't hurt, you know, when people say mean things, hurtful things, when people are being fat phobic or colorist towards me, um, when jobs don't want to hire me, all, all types of things, you know. Um, but centering myself is the only way I'm going to live this life in a way that's not just perpetual, perpetual suffering. Mm. Because the world has been conditioned in the same ways I have to discard me, to not love me, to not show up for me, um, to not be radical about the care for me. And so, yeah, if I don't want to perpetually suffer, then I must disrupt the idea that I'm unworthy of care, that I'm unworthy of community, that I'm unworthy of being shown up and shown out for. I must disrupt that um, and I must center myself. And that actually when I am in practice of that, because really that's a practice of abundance. When you believe in abundance, you go, I can center myself <laughs> because God in the universe is going to take care of my people because they also need to take care of themselves. Who am I to ask them to put their humanity aside to care for me, okay? Um, and so when I'm able to do that, other people learn to love me better. I become the instruction manual. You know, people say, it's no instruction manual for him. Hey, it, it, come, come on over here in this community we creating because we writing that instruction manual as we go, baby. Okay. Um, I can teach people how to love me. I can teach people how to center myself, cultivate boundaries so that I'm not perpetually suffering. So that's a little bit that, you know, that came when you spoke about the sacredness of centering yourself, that it is holy and that is divine and ultimately in reflection of what so much around Abrahamic religions teach to be like God, God is clear. I love worship. I love to be cared for. I love when you show up and you show out for me. Come to the church in numbers. Hallelujah. Give me your first child, baby. 
I need it all, right? Um, so it's it's okay for us to center ourselves. Yeah, what was coming up for me while you were sharing is um, also the origins for me, um, my relationship to centering myself. You know, you talked about, you know, witnessing folks be very negatively selfish. Um, and I think for me, I witnessed a lot of martyrdom, frankly, under the, under the guise of like service, um, which I think service is important. I think it's important to like honor the love that you have of other folks through care service, you know, the service of care. Um, and also I believe that that does not have to come at my own expense. Um, and I think for longer, <laughs> for much longer than I have understood the need to center myself, I've understood that, uh, or I've believed that there was a need for me to overextend myself for me to prioritize others before myself, because that is what God wanted of me. That is how God would recognize me as one who is a part of their mm -hmm. sacred, you know, thing ordeal. Um, but I think, oh, and I, wow, I am so grateful, so deeply grateful for my church. Um, so I attend a black queer church called, not a, not a offering y'all a commercial. <laughs> These are the place. These niggas need to pay for a commercial. Anyway, The Way LA, um, pastor by Jocelyn. Why am I blanking on Jocelyn's last name? That's all right, Jocelyn. Um, has just really transformed my understanding of my relationship to God, uh, who I am, like how I'm able to be fully in myself. And that is actually the desire of God for me to be exactly and only who the fuck I came on this earth as. Um, and I think so much of the last few years has been really, really going back to four, five, six-year-old Judd and being like, bitch, what, what was we doing again? Oh, that, okay, real. Let's let's see what that looks like in a 33-year-old context. So yeah, centering myself feels like, um, hmm, it feels like a, a very real like healing practice um, that I like also extend to the folks who were my caregivers as a child because they can't whoop my ass <laughs> as a child. You know, I, I think as a child, there were times when I saw shit that was like, huh, seems like, that is not what God would want for you, but I'm not getting my ass whooped. And I think in this, in this moment in my life, like not only can I center my care, but I can only also reflect back to folks like my mother, folks like my aunties and be like, here is what I'm doing in context where I want to be a martyr. What is it? What is that given for you? What's your feedback? What are your thoughts? Does this sound familiar? Um, yeah, so that's that's my relationship in in a little snapshot um, to centering myself. It's so interesting you brought up martyrdom because I was listening to Joy James and she was talking about how Martin Luther King's last speech was my fave. She said when he was talking about, um, I may not get to the promised land. I may not get there with you. Um, that he was actually speaking to being a martyr. Um, and, you know, shortly after that, 
baby was no longer with us, but I, I, I even wonder about, again, how we are taught to displace God. We also do the same for like our leaders. This is a little tangential, but like we, we go, oh, where are our leaders? Where are you at? Where, <laughs> where you at, baby? Where, you know, they, they just didn't leave us no leaders. Where, hey, where you at? Play, is that you over the Himalayas? And, you know, I think we absolve ourselves of our responsibility to do the work and people become the martyrs. I just, I think there is some point when you do leadership work, when you do community activism, that you realize like, yeah, this is martyrdom. And, and also shout out to anti-Blackness because anti-Blackness makes it so, you know, our our only options is like short deaths or long deaths. Which one do you want? Yeah. Um, and that's on Afro-pessimism. But I think that centering myself has been a blessing because I think it's also led to developing relationships with amazing people. Like my best friends are like really, really awesome. Um, and they teach me to center myself. They are like, no, you need, no, this don't sound, no, and eh, eh, this don't feel this, blah, 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 blah. Thank y'all to our, thank y'all who are following us too. We really appreciate that. We appreciate your support. Um, but yeah, I think I think about the ways I'm like doing it all alone is wild, but being able to do so when you have community who also affirms that in a way that's healthy. And that's something we asked um about each other. Like how do what's the difference between like healthy and unhealthy, you know, selfishness or centering yourself? Um, because we know that there's definitely some centering of yourself that does cause a lot of harm. And I, you know, really appreciate my friends who are like, no, it's okay for you to choose you, actually. And it's okay for you to make it. I just have, because I've been like so community oriented that I pride myself on being accessible. You know, I, I don't want to be some, you can't reach me. You can't hit me up about something I said. You can't reflect back to me. So I've always tried to make myself accessible. Right. But I know now, oh, no, it's OK to have a little it's a little fence here. You can't just access me at all time and all times, all times of the day, all hours of the night or or you can, but not for free, because people will want the labor of fat black folks for free. They go, absolutely not. I'm not paying you to love me and care for me. I know that the world has conditioned you to be the best love to be the best caregiver to be the most radical nigga but I'm not gonna pay you I'm not gonna give you money for your brilliance I'm gonna listen to your podcast I'm gonna listen to your Instagram lives I'm gonna listen to your TikTok lives and your videos and I'm gonna heal for free because I don't believe you're worthy of anything I don't believe you should be able to sustain your life I'm not doing that no more no and amen frankly um yeah, I would love to dive into thinking about and sharing what our thoughts were about the how we delineate positive. So I, I was using this language, um, self-centering and selfishness. I think what resonates more with TJ is like positive and negative selfishness. Yeah, so 
either way, the language, I, I, I'm okay with us using the language of like positive and ne negative selfishness. Um, but yeah, I would love to dig into like how we are delineating the two, because I think, whew, like in and of itself, it's challenging as fuck for fat, black, queer, trans, disabled, neurodivergent folks, dark-skinned folks, poor folks to internalize the idea that we are worthy of censoring our needs, our desires, the things that will fill us up and allow us to show up whole in the world with the gifts and the, the blessings that we have to, to give this world and to ourselves. And also um, what, what is uh, undergirding that is a lifetime of being taught that it is negative, it is inherently bad for us to think about ourselves first. Um, for us to think about our needs first. So um, I think for me, um, thinking about what, how, what and how I define like positive selfishness, um, I think the first thing that I'm thinking about uh, that delineates it is making choices um, that positively impact me um, and the other bit of it is like, taking stock of the potential impact of others and also like uh, taking stock of the impact that it may have on others and also doing an assessment of like, and is the impact harm? Because if it's just hurt feelings, that is not for me to hold. I can acknowledge it. I can say, I, you know, like, yeah, I see, I see that this is hurt, this, this hurts. Um, and also that's not for me to hold. But I think that for me, the delineation of like self-centering is specifically um, an understanding of the impact that, that, you know, centering myself is having and also not taking the accountability for that. Whereas I think negative selfishness or, or selfishness um, is like a total, it just completely skips that step. It's like, I'm gonna make my decision for me. I'm not gonna even be curious about what the fuck the impact is on everybody else. So how about you? Period. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I. the reason why I use the adjectives like positive versus negative is because I think in trying to unlearn white supremacist ideology around like, what does it mean for Black people to care for themselves and why is that labeled as selfishness? Um, is that like, oh, I have to honor that being self-centered, meaning thinking about yourself, centering yourself, you're at the center of you, um, is not inherently bad. And so because it's not inherently bad, then I must use adjectives to describe the thing to point to what I'm talking to or about. And so when I'm thinking about positive positively being self-centered, positively centering yourself, even the ways in which that language is heard. Like if you heard somebody say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm self-centered, you're like, mm. but then if you hear somebody say, oh yeah, I'm centering myself, it's like, oh, okay, that sounds dope. Wow, really healing. Oh my God, infographic, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that there is a point um, and like just, I always try to encourage people to use more words um 
And so, yeah, that's why I use positive versus negative. And I'm also thinking about impact, right? So if I am making the choices to, I don't know, be a millionaire and exploit people because I want to be a millionaire, that's my, I'm centering myself and what I want. I'm saying that that's negative because it has a negative impact on community. It has a negative impact in the lives of people around me or who, yeah, in the lives of the people who are impacted by my action or inaction, um, to, to, to be clear, because some folks are like, well, I didn't do anything bad, but also like, and by bad, we mean hurtful, harmful, toxic, um, and being silent or not acting can also be a harmful thing. If you see some injustice happening and you just stand by, right? That's the thing, you know? Um, so that's why I use that language. Um, and in thinking of that, it's also about thinking about community's impact and whether, oh, am I doing something that's harmful to community, hurtful to community? Also, am I doing something that's temporary, temporarily good for me, long-term good for me? And what is the impact on my life, right? Because if I'm engaging in self-harming behaviors um, and we we could do a whole live on like ideas around self-harm and self-agency and what healings look like for people um, who are dealing with mental illness but yeah, I, that's, I just am thinking about impact versus the person and also community. And I agree with you that there's a difference um, between like hurting somebody's feelings and like causing people harm, um, being violent, which I don't even think that violence is inherently um, good or bad either. Like, I don't think it's inherently one or the other. You punch me, that's violent. I punch you back. That's also violent, but I get to defend myself. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just about principles. It's also about integrity. It's also about moral compass. And the more that we define things for ourselves, the better we can, excuse me, develop community that is aligned with what we believe in, right? Um, and that's centering yourself, especially if you're a multi-marginalized person, um, is is good for you because I can guarantee you, baby. The, the other folks are doing it. The other people are making choices that center their well-being. People will use their fat, darker skin friends for resources, um, all types of resources, money, housing, um, anything, car, whatever, and not pay them, but then go spend $250 a night at a hotel Okay, well, in their privilege. It's one thing, right? If y'all both are struggling, that's different. But you financially privileged and you choose to not put no money in the pockets of your friends and you got it, but you're going to give it to white folks or institutions. This is why people who are seen as the captive maternal have to betray that system of thinking, right? In order to not live a life of perpetual suffering, um, to encourage more joy, to encourage more peace, to see abundance in their lifetime. This is a community participatory event, child. So we love to hear from you. I know that I love to hear from you, love to hear your thoughts and ideas and grievances. And also, even if you disagree with the shit that we said, now my, my co-partners and bishops really don't care, but I, I be wanting to know, I be wanting to read, I be wanting to see. 
Yeah, I I would love to read this comment. Hmm, this makes me think about the term self-centers, puts self first versus centering self, places centering first. I wonder if the words being first or second denotes the prioritization. Yeah, I think that that does influence people's perception. And I think that they're saying the same thing depending on context, um, ultimately. Um, and yeah, it, it's also interesting because in my mind, there are all spectrums about being selfish. Like if you have a problem with your saviorism, you want to save everybody, you're also centering yourself. Because you're like, without me, nobody will be saved. Without me, people are going to do X, Y, and Z. Without me, if you make yourself the soul, the God of it all, of it all, right? That's also selfishness, right? Um, and then also you, you can have negative feelings towards people because of the work you volunteered to do or were conditioned to do and people actually didn't ask you for, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I do think that the what you hear first influences your perception of what's being said, which is why I think we always need to define our terms, you know, define what we're what we're saying and what we mean by things. I'm if somebody says I'm selfish, being curious as a praxis is really helpful. What do you mean by that? You're selfish. What does that what does that look like in your life, you know? Yeah. Um being curious, always super duper important. Um, one thing that I wanted to share right before, um, <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to call it a listener letter. <laughs> Send us a listener letter, y'all. We have an email. Uh, what is it? AMNSpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a listener's letter. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I just wanted to share this because it kind of struck me. I must have written this when we were talking. I was like, huh, this is a great meditation. Um, harm is not inherent in me meeting my needs, despite what I have been socialized to believe. Um, and y'all, I, um, yeah, again, as someone who grew up the oldest child, fat, <laughs> grew up as a girl child, um, it was nearly a sin. Ooh, I was last Sunday I was at church and um the pastor said something like the heart is evil and I said baby hold on you know that that's the thing keeping you alive like even if you're talking about the metaphorical heart you know like your own desires literally the word that you're saying <laughs> the heart that's the center of of your entire life so anyway um I wanted to talk about just some things that I was thinking about when we we're talking initially about this topic, um, about how my work right now around centering myself is also rooted in my work of like tending to um, my affinity for codependency. Um, because what I know to be true is sometimes I am, instead of attuning to my desires and my needs, what I want, um, I will, I have and have presently 
um, you projected my desires onto someone else or have tried to read into others' feelings as a way to find what I'm feeling. Um, and I think what has been really helpful in these moments of, um, again, tending to my codependent urges is like the moment that I feel the desire to say, to ask, are you feeling? Or it seems like you're, I'm like, oh, this is, this is actually a flag for me to check in on myself and be like, bitch, what, what are you feeling? What does it seem like you're going through right now? Because that might actually be more relevant than you trying to read someone else who was on a whole different path, who was living an entire different life with a whole bunch of other different variables that you don't know shit about. Um, and, you know, sometimes what is also true um, is like, you know, there are things that I am reading correctly and also just giving myself the opportunity to attune to what it is that I am desiring, to attune what it is, uh, attune to what it is that I am needing and thinking about is super, super, super fucking important. No, period. I, I feel, you know, thinking about how we read things or have to read folks, like definitely thinking about childhood trauma where, you know, a parent being upset or somebody being angry meant like there was an impact on you, you know? Um, so you had to read what it means. I could think of even some of my poetry as a young person, like there was, I could damn near determine whether or not it was going to be an argument in the home by how my door rattled when somebody came into the space, like because the slam of the door would, you know, and, and shout out to physics, you know, when it shakes the doors. I mean, anybody, if you go into any home, especially if it's not brand, brand new, the air changes, it sh literally shifts the air, you know? So being able to read people's cues and also being neurodivergent, being like in tune with folks, you know, to some degree. And, and, and sometimes that does become projection. You have to take accountability um, and responsibility. Like, did this person actually mean this? Did they say this? Um, and yeah, being able to, to be like, oh no, they did not say this. I don't know this for sure. Now, this is not to say you should gaslight yourself because this, it could be, a, it could be a real slippery slope, you know, you, you don't know. But when you do get in tune with yourself, when you when you can hear the voices of you clearly and you can honor your feelings and you're around people who you could trust, you can, again, even move in more deeper curiosity. I'm wondering right now if you feel um, and be able to name that. Um, this These are the thoughts that's coming up for me. This is the feelings that I'm having about what's being said or how what's being is impacting me. And sometimes people don't even know what they're experiencing because people don't check in. I think because in the midst of conflict, we are taught to, um, you know, dispose of people or degrade people in the middle of it. We don't remember to check in with folks' humanity. What's coming up for you right now? What feeling? I We're arguing right now about the rice that I cook being burnt and you really being hungry, but I'm really wondering like, is, what, what's coming up for you? Is it anything beyond what specifically we're talking about in regards to, you know, this rice being burnt and your hunger currently. Um, yeah, I just think at all points, we can always redirect our humanity, including when we're centering ourselves. Um, one thing that's an example is like, in polyamory folks will ask like, do you get jealous? It's like, yeah, I get jealous. 
Um, but I don't force my partner to make decisions based on, you know, whether or not it's going to bring up uncomfortable feelings for me. You know, oh yeah, I might get jealous that my partner is going out to the restaurant that I showed them. And also, you know, I want my partner to choose things that feel good for them or things that they like. So I'm happy that I had the impact on them. I make them that they love it so much. They want to share it with somebody else, you know? Um, now that's not something actually I was saying, feel, but it's an example of like, I can like name my feelings um, and in learning to like center myself, that's me checking in with me so that I'm not putting it on everybody else to do. I was going to say that is very evolved of you. <laughs> I think for me, you know, I, yeah, I, being poly has taught me a lot about relationships, um, having my best friend be my life partner. Um, my platonic life partner has taught me a lot about relationships, specifically in the last few months because I've been fighting for our lives. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, a, a really important piece of like showing up for myself, centering myself is like, um, Allowing, allowing myself spaciousness to name what is coming up for me with my loved ones and, um, you know, also naming the, the clarity that these are my feelings to hold and to have. Um, and that being that, I think, whew, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, like the, the way that black folk like it's so much of our social like contract to uh to bypass the thing the feelings that we're experiencing you know like how you doing uh what what is the um response the niggas give um I can't complain I can't complain like baby you can you can you actually can it's nobody's responsibility but yours to hold the the complaint that you have, but you actually can. And it feels good to let that complaint out and to not harbor it and try to glaze over it and paint over it with, you know, joviality or whatever the fuck um, we have been taught to do. Um, And like eat. and, And what I have found in some cases is like allowing myself to be in that, that ick or allowing myself to be in that, damn, that bitch really took this bitch to this restaurant. That's our favorite restaurant. I'm allowed to be like, okay, yeah, that feeling is there. And that that has a lot to do with scarcity and like a lot of things. And it it allows the spaciousness, spaciousness for that thing to breathe and be so that other shit can come in. And I can like appreciate like, you know, my adoration of, of the love and care and whatever these them, them niggas are cultivating. Um, yeah, anyway. I think also that we can make other decisions. You know, one thing that one of my friends tell me is like, they like, listen, if I can't, if I ain't living in what I'm preaching and I need to change what I'm preaching. And I think that that's also okay for people. I think living in abundance also means like, you know, polyamory worked for me for 20 years. It's not working for me right now. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put her down. And I'm going to choose something else because it's not working for me. Or like, 
I thought I was mature enough to handle or process through or get over my partner eating at the same restaurant with a bitch that I took them to. And I'm not doing it. It's actually a hard boundary for me. And if that doesn't work for you, baby, that's okay. It may, we are taught to also like diminish what's important to us. You don't have to do an 18 paragraph explanation to somebody why that, why them eating at a restaurant is just something you're not going to get over. You can let, this is just something I cannot handle. And what are the choices that you're going to make? And what are the choices that I'm going to make? And we don't have to, yeah, one thing I was thinking about is like, we don't have to judge the circumstance to process it. You know, I don't have to say, oh, you made a bad decision. You know, it's like this decision is it, here's what's happening here. I think because the binary has us so fucked up between what's good and what's bad versus how was it impacting people and how can we move forward there? Um, yeah, I I think about just how that impacts our ability um, to center ourselves, to think about things. Because if you don't learn to get comfortable with discomfort, baby, you're going to revert back to always. That's going to happen anyway because social conditioning is every and all day. But you're going to revert back to other things. Um, if you don't learn how to be uncomfortable with people not being as enthusiastic about the choices you make that are for your holistic well-being. Yeah. Something that um, came up for me while you were sharing was um, something that I was processing recently, which is like, um, there have been times recently in a relationship where like, there's something that just has rubbed me and it, I like could not understand why this thing was rubbing me. Um, but it just was not, it was not giving settled. It was giving very dysregulated. And it was like, for example, if somebody put this water bottle on my, on my countertop and just left it there. And I'm like, why is this water bottle disturbing me so much what is it about this fucking water bottle and I think yeah for some folks like just being like bitch I don't know why but I'm disturbed and that's that's what I can give right now and also I think for me in continuing continuing to like within my capacity um be curious about like what is it about this water bottle that this person has set on the counter that is disturbing me. Um, and recently in talking to my nigga, who is a bomb ass therapist, um, they were sharing uh, this framework of like figuring out what the fear is, if there is a fear, if there is a fear around a thing, what is the fear there? And then what is the ask that you have of others around that fear? So for example, um, this water bottle example was terrible. So I'm just, <laughs> just give like an interpersonal conflict sort of example. So you have a friend, your friend has a new friend and now you feel like, bitch, where, when am I going to spend time with my friend? Now that this friend has a new friend. The like the thing to, to explore is like the fear around um, what, what is the fear there? 
Cause like you could be annoyed with the friend, with the friend's f- friend. And also you could be annoyed and also be curious about like, what is the fear? Is the fear that you will never hang out with this friend again? Um, and if so, okay, name, can you be vulnerable enough to name that fear? And then also name the ask around that fear. What do you, what do you want? You know what you feel. So what do you want? Um, so that's something I'm setting with. That was a terrible, <laughs> that was very nonlinear, but um, that's something that I'm also just sitting with around like when things, um, yeah, feel, feel like upsetting or dysregulating for me. Like, how can I get to the heart of what is upsetting um, about it so that I don't have to continuously place barriers so that I can get to the heart of the matter, I think for me is, is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do think that that point is like really important around the ask. Um, and like our re- the reality around some things is like, yeah, I want my friends to have all the best relationships in the world. And also I know that our capacity does not tend to be infinite um, sometimes. And so like, what does it mean when I do spend less time with my friend? But I'm the type of transparent nigga, y'all. Like I've literally, I've been like, listen, you, you, I love the relationship you're building with this person. It's really cute. Y'all deserve each other. And are they replacing you? <laughs> I want to know, like, are they replacing me? Are they not? And it's not to get, because also what can come up is control. Like there's a control, like you want to control something. And I don't be wanting to control my friends. I be wanting to protect my heart. So I just want to know, hey, are you in the process? Are y'all, y'all, y'all about to be two peas in a pie. And I love that. But I, I need to know if I need to know what that means for us because I see it impacting us in X, Y, and Z ways. Or, you know, I thought we had a special pancake thing in the morning, but now you're cooking everybody pancakes. So this is not a sacred thing to us. Okay, everybody get a pancake. Got it. You know, because I also can't say like this was supposed to be a sacred thing if I did not name that. That's other, I get so confused when people put responsibilities on me that they didn't name. You know, oh, you called me sweetheart. How could you call anybody else sweetheart? I, I, I'm, I was raised by my great grandmother. Everybody is sweetheart. Everybody is baby. Some of you want a unique name. I won't call nobody else that name. Um, but we do, we tend to also put the responsibility of things unspoken on people. Um, and and that could be hard too. Can I offer a, a thought about what you just shared? Uh-huh. Um, also, maybe next next week we will be, we talked about like pairing our topics with like, one is about our relationship to a thing and the other top, the other, the next week or the following week is a, like a practice space, like how we, you know, are around the practice. So I'm thinking about what you just shared around, um, what'd you say? Like, are they taking my place? Something like that. And I think that that is one way to ask that question. And I'm also thinking about how that feels like the, the easy way out of the like vulnerability of being like, I am afraid 
that our relationship is on its way out, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I'm just thinking of, cause I, I, and I'm saying this because I literally, I just had this conversation with Z about talking about the fear that I have. And then like making the ask around that fear, this, this happened no longer than three days ago. Maybe it was two days ago. Um, and it has been, I have been shook by the, like, what it takes for me to name, to, to even think about naming with someone dearly beloved, like a dearly beloved someone that I have a fear. Like that shit is terrifying. Like several, on several occasions, I was tearing up with fear around like being like, I am afraid that our relationship is going to end. Um, yeah. And I think that also like the, is this person replacing me? I'm wondering about like how that shifts the responsibility onto someone else. I'm not, I'm not too clear about that yet, but like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's like a, you know, this is yours as opposed to like, this is my fear. This is your, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about that. Yeah. And I think I want to ask because I do want to know from their perspective, like what I feel like we do things with our friends, we could do it with all kinds of people, you know, but I do feel like there are certain things or certain patterns you have with your friends. And when you, when they share that same pattern with other people, it's like, I want to know from your perspective and your experience, the place that I had in your life, which what I know to be X, Y, and Z things is that is this person meeting those needs or or replacing the role or things that I have in your life um but and I I'm not disagreeing with like is that a responsibility on other people but I feel like when I'm thinking about the fear part it's like maybe I don't know if I it's because I'm hesitant or I have a hard time grappling with it but it's like I'm not necessarily scared to lose people like I'm not scared to be replaced I'm scared for that to be happening and I don't know like that's the thing for me I want to be informed about how my relationships are transitioning either deeper or or less you know I'm because I'm a neurodiverse person I just want to know because I don't always know I can't read all the cues which is why I'm like okay here are the cues that I know what society has told me is normative and like, I just want to check in, is this what's happening um, for you? Because this person is not replacing in my mind. Because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm special in my own way. Um, I'm valuable in my own way. And I want to know from your perspective, is that, what's, is that what's happening for you? Do we have any questions? We haven't any questions yet. Did you have any last thoughts around like centering yourself, how it shows up or offerings about self-centeredness or the ways that we have that conversation typically versus like how we are bringing what nuance we're offering to the conversation I mean I just feel like it's a whole new world <laughs> frankly um I was sharing with TJ when we were reflecting on like what our feeling like reflecting on our thoughts about self-centering um and I was sharing an example of being at my home church last Sunday 
and um, realizing the change, the shift that had happened since. So I hadn't been to my home church since before COVID. Um, and since that last time that I had been at my home church, I also came out to them as a queer non-binary bitch, um, bad bitch. And um, it was so interesting to come into that space with that, like with, with the ability to be my full self and, and clear with the full clarity that like, I am in alignment with God. I am a part of God. God is a part of me in the fullness of my being. Um, because oftentimes when I had set foot in that church, I was very much so bracing myself about like having to be the person who is needing to respond to transphobia, fatphobia, all of the possible possible things that can happen in a Black Baptist church. Um, and I think that that a lot of the time was rooted in my fear of disappointing loved ones, of disappointing my mother, um, who would be like, damn, you gotta, you gotta do this in church now, like, um, whereas now, <laughs> or, or last Sunday, I walked into that church and I was like, listen, if niggas say some transphobic, homophobic, queerphobic, uh, fatphobic shit, I'm gonna just have to respond. And that's on y'all. That's nothing, that's no reflection of me. If y'all are disappointed, that's on you and your, your relationship with God. But I'm very clear about <laughs> what my alignment and my clarity is about how I desire to be in the world, what my relationship is to God and what God sees as sacred and holy. And y'all trying to drag trans, queer, fat people because y'all are insecure is totally the opposite, the antithesis of sacred and holy. So I just, I'm, I'm thinking about the regulation, uh, the nervous system regulation that I am experiencing in this space of centering myself um, that I have not experienced much of prior. How about you? You talking about change when we think about the song? I, I, I know I've been changed. Good Lord. I, I, I know I've been changed. You know the angels in heaven done sign my name. Good Lord, he I know I've been changed. I love that song. Um, and I love that. Also, the- that is a song. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But. I was just going to say that is a song that is incredibly hard to remember to not start super high. I have a story about that. Well, real quick, once upon a time at Amber, Amber motherfucking Abundance's birthday party back at the Black Joy headquarters, we, Amber, was I in a a platinum blonde wig or was Amber? I don't know. Somebody was in a platinum blonde wig and we we were toasting, we were whatever, Amber for her birthday. And I started, I know I've been changed. And when I tell you it was too high for 97% of the population in that in that place. Anyway, it was it was great. Wonderful recording. Okay. Child. Anyway, okay, so I know I've been changed. I know I've been changed. 
Yeah, it made me think about that song. And I love that the part is like the angels in heaven to sign my name. And I wonder, like, what does it mean to like, you know, if we're trying to honor and see God, if if God created you in God's image and likeness, and they say at the end of your story that what's going to determine whether or not you're going to hell is God saying, I knew you not. That if if that's if that's at all connected to you being who who you are on the inside, that maybe it's not all about you being in martyrdom or you sacrificing yourself, but actually you becoming who you were destined to be in this world and in this realm. Like if God says, I knew you not because you decided to be what the world told you, because the Bible also talks about be not of the world. The world is telling you, you have to be cis. The world is telling you that you have to be straight. The world is telling you that the only thing desirable is skinny people. The world is telling you that the only option is to be anti-Black. But what if God actually doesn't recognize you because he sent you here to be revolutionary and you decided to side with the world? Um, you know, because the song does say, you know, you know the angels in heaven done sign my name. And then it's like, I stepped in the water. The water was cold. It chilled my body, but not my soul. You know, it's like the outward world. Yeah, y'all don't like me. But on the end, I'm warm because I've created a world for myself on the inside. I've sent her, I've talked to myself. Even that talking to yourself is seen as crazy. How are you going to get to know you? You know, to figure out what it is that you like if you don't sit yourself down and say, who are you, baby? Who do you want to become? And who taught you to hate you? Who taught you to love you? Who, who taught you how to dress and how to walk? Who literally, white supremacy controls how we see ourselves, how we perceive who we are when, the, when we look at the mirror. We think it's, we, we call it body dysmorphia and dysphoria, but it's really white supremacy. The distortion is whiteness, right? And so we have to call all the distortions by their name, body dysmorphia, dysphoria, fatphobia, anti-blackness, you know what I'm saying? Colorism, that we have to call it all of those things. But whiteness is the author of confusion. And so, yeah, I just thinking about the song and you saying change, the song coming up just really made me think about like, I know that at first my interpretation of I knew you not was like how good of a servant I was supposed to be. But then once I learned that whiteness had a hand in changing the language of the Bible, um, changing the, the chapters um, and all, you know, and that's in multiple Abrahamic religions, but that that I also can interpret that to be that that God didn't know me because I wasn't I wasn't who I was supposed to be. I wasn't I wasn't who who God put me here to be. You know, I don't that doesn't necessarily mean that God put me here to be um you know, oh, God put me here to be trans. No, God put me here to to live my life as fluidly as possible. And in the world that I live in, I have to call myself trans because whiteness decided to create the binary. It had to legitimize heteronormativity. You can't legitimize heteronormativity without the binary of gender. 
right? You can't legitimize these systems without the cognitive dissonance it creates and language that comes out of that. So that's probably my, my little offering, my little wrap-up offering to those who are in the space is, is really decide like if who you are right now is a reflection of who you want to be. I uh, think about all the stories of queer people whose parents are like, baby, I knew. And then, and I hated you for it. I did. You know, and I thank God for the parents who take responsibility for how they treated their children and how that's impacted folks, you know? I mean, those of us who are healed by parents who choose to do that radical work, it's like, yes, I, I knew you were different from the beginning and I tried my hardest to make you something else and I couldn't. And so just asking people to interrogate and be curious about how they look in the world, how they present and that there's another option by centering yourself, centering who you are may look like a completely different person. You know, may, may you may want to exist differently when you really get to know who you are. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to, um, one, extend gratitude for you for being here today, you, TJ, and also everyone who has gathered and who has gathered and who will okay. gather on the, on the playback. Um, I would love for us to pray niggas out real quick. Period. Yes. Um, so if you consent to some prayer, I welcome y'all to, to get real comfortable and cozy. It's not going to be long, but I do want niggas to be comfortable and cozy. Um, and I just want to invite niggas to think about a part of yourself that you hold sacred, desire to hold sacred, want to uplift, want to give adoration, want to celebrate. Um, and I'm just going to read Psalms 103, um, one, and I want you to place whatever that thing is that you want to celebrate, uphold, uplift in place of the Lord. Um, so bless the Lord. Insert your thing here. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless, insert your word here. Holy name. So I'm going to say mine and I invite TJ if you would like to share yours and if not, that's fine. And then we can get into a prayer. Bless this fatness, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless this fatness's holy name. TJ, also feel free to add it into the chat if you have some. Um. I'm going to say, bless this job search. Mm. All that, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless this job search's holy name, Father God. Amen. Amen for survival within capitalism. Yes. Whew. Um, so I can start and then TJ, you can jump in wherever, um, God, ancestors, self, beloved community, all the niggas, all our niggas, all my niggas in the whole wide world who mean my best 
and utmost well-being. I thank you all for giving us the clarity of sight to adore and cherish and hold as sacred all that is within us, or to at least be on the path to do so. It is my desire to take seriously um, the charge of, of knowing that God is a part of me and that God is not outside of my reach, that God is right here within me, within this fat, Black, queer, trans, non-binary, disabled, neurodivergent body. Um, and I, it is my prayer that in this work that we do, through all my niggas said, through our loving relationship, through our beloved community that we continue to uh, ripple out and out and out, um, that we do that work of inviting niggas into centering ourselves and to know that we are a part of God and that God is a part of us. Teacher. All my niggas in here gonna be all right. All my niggas in here gonna be all right all my niggas in here you're gonna be all fucking right just keep living stop tipping and Amen. <laughs> See y'all.